First of all, I'd like to say I appreciate the opportunity to to stand up here and to give a lesson. It's been quite a while um, since I've been able to do that, uh, long before the, the COVID first started, so that tells you something. But I appreciate the opportunity, um, and as always, I'm a little nervous, so just please bear with me as um, we start talking about, um, I guess, the subject today, or if there was a title, it'd be called uh, Redeeming the Time. If you think about it to redeem time we have to live in the moment and we have to make the most of the moments that we are given uh, we should be as Christians leaving uh, living each day as if it is the last one moment at a time looking to seize moments or opportunities and as the hand of the clock move or goes along uh, the moments that are created uh, what's left behind or what is left behind to see. Those moments that we create are what's left behind to see. And how we spend our time, uh, the choices that we make, definitely define who we are. Now, when you're talking about moments in time, moments in time uh, not only can they define us, but they can, they can change us. Um, moments that happen to us and moments that we create for other people. At first, I'd like to tell you uh, a little story. Um, or it's not really a story, it's just a, something that happened to me. I was in the military for a long period of time. And whenever I was in the military and I was overseas, there was no place to worship. And I can tell you, I can make plenty of excuses, but um, quite simply, I fell away. And it wasn't until I came back um, from the Gulf War and... I decided to take a few friends and we went out to eat downtown at a place called the Shrimp Factory. We were there for quite a long time. We had a nice meal and it's kind of an expensive place, um, but I wasn't thinking about any of that. What was on my mind was uh, kind of my situation in the military. Um, I had an issue where I was involved in something and uh, quite a few people died. and. It seemed like no one really cared. Uh, it seemed like uh, um, it was even celebrated. And in fact, I was given, I was given a medal. Not only did I feel like I didn't deserve that medal, I felt like I had done something wrong. And while I was weighing that, I was sitting there and I was having the conversation with all the people that were at the table. There was only about four of us. Um, but really, I was just lost, and I didn't even really know it until we got up to, to leave. And when we got up to leave, someone had paid our entire check. I know that's something small. You know, it, it was probably two or $300, but that's, that's not the point. The point is, is I, I, I didn't know why uh, I was touched so much until I really started thinking about it. But, see, I was upset because I thought that no one cared. And not only that no one cared, that they cared and they gave me a medal for something that I felt like was the greatest shame of my life. Excuse me. And when this person did this, I don't know who it was because they wanted to remain anonymous. So who do I thank? In that moment, I only had God to thank because that's where my mind went. My mind went there because I had felt so lost for such a long time that I didn't even know who I was anymore. But that one moment that this person gave me 
this one moment that was created changed me changed me so much that into looking back to God and putting Him first in my life and I don't even know if the person was a Christian but I know that, that moment changed who I am and you think about having a moment you think about all the moments that, that people celebrate or have today one of the things that I think about is uh, well, quite frankly reality TV you see how people uh, looking for their 15 minutes of fame. You look at social media. You look at TikTok, YouTube. Everybody wants to be seen. They want to be accepted. They want to be noticed. They want to be celebrated. And they want to know that they have worth. You know, when you think about these programs, the one that I think about the most is this program called AGT. Not to put their name out there for any reason, but on this particular program, uh, people have been known to say, uh, I want this moment to change my life. They've been known to say that uh, I've been bullied and want someone to notice me. They've even been saying as, as, as dire as it is, I'm dying and I just want somebody to hear me before I go. And then in this program, there are judges, so-called judges. And this person is standing up there in front of this judge and they're wanting, wanting to hear something, but sometimes they hear no. Sometimes they hear, yes, we accept you. Uh, but whatever it is, they all want them to have their moment. Matter of fact, there's even this special moment reserved for the most special people. It's called a golden buzzer moment. And when someone in this moment results in having a golden buzzer moment, you should just see the look on their face. People, they fall to their knees. They cry. And those present are witnesses to this moment they want to all be a part of it and even at the end the judges are thanked and in this way I think they're even given praise but in truth most people who try out for these moments never get that moment most of these people who try out for these moments even fewer of them have the golden moment and at the end of all the moments only one person actually wins anything and what do they win what have they actually won Everyone, nothing. Nothing of significance. Nothing of, of e eternal significance. That's most certainly true. We as Christians, we have, as my wife very plainly, or very astutely pointed out to me, we have an infinite number of these moments. And that's because at any moment, we can let ourselves break and we can go before God. We can stand before the Almighty and we can lay everything at His feet. We also have, have these moments, we have moments to, to spend in awe. Our whole life can be spent in awe in just a string of moments. We can feel worth. We can have moments of sacrifice, moments of giving, receiving, praise, wonder, joy, and most certainly many, many moments of thankfulness. And every moment is filled with hope as we imitate Christ. You see... Those moments that are here can never compare to the moments that we have as we in our life look to imitate Christ. If you look at Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. 
For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Uh, light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You see, we should be looking for moments that are pleasing to God, not these other moments that are set up in life that there's absolutely no worth to them. You know, it, learn to be pleasing to the Lord. As we walk, we see here that we can, we can create moments of light. As children of a light, that we can produce in those moments goodness, righteousness, truth, until we have that last moment when we stand before the real judge, our Creator. Ephesians 5:11 through 14 continues... And it says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but even instead expose them, for it is disgraceful even to think of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. You see, we're not even supposed to participate in those moments to have that darkness in it, but we're supposed to expose them. We're supposed to talk about them. We're supposed to point them out. So then, we don't want to be foolish. We want to understand what the will of the Lord is. I think sometimes we can get caught up and we can lose sight of what is important whenever we're going moment by moment. But we're supposed to expose them. And here I even think about, I, I take this personally, I'm supposed to be as transparent as possible. Because I'm always supposed to expose myself. I'm always supposed to be constantly looking at ourselves and examining ourselves and looking out for our brothers. We should be exposing those things when, when it's not of the light. You know, we have one job, and that is to try, constantly try to try to please the Lord. We have to make the most of our time while we are doing that. You know, our lives, if you really want to think about it, are just moments, little small increments of time that are spliced together, showing a moving picture of who we truly are over time. It's kind of like a movie being shown, you know, frame by frame. When you're thinking about these things in the movie being shown frame by frame, you want to look at verse 15 where it says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for in all things, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Always giving of thanks. We do have to be careful how we walk. And I think thankfulness is a big part of it. You know, I don't think that it's a, a coincidence that in, in uh, verse 3 and 4, it tells you, don't do this, instead give thanks. And then again, here it's telling you, don't do these things, but always give thanks and be thankful. I think that's one of the things that stops us from, from doing the things that, that, uh, that we might have a, an inclination to do, things that are wrong, is the fact if we walk each moment in thankfulness. 
if we do that, I even go back to the to the most uh, smallest things or even biggest things in my life where I've done things wrong, and I can actually pinpoint that the fact that I wasn't thankful. If I had been, I would have been looking for something else other than what it was that I was looking for. We have to be careful how, how we walk. We have to make the most of our time. We do have to understand what the will of the Lord is. We have to be filled with the Spirit. And it talks about making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. And then the one that I, I, I see here that we can really impact is being subject to one another. You know, redeeming the time is all about not making the moments for ourselves, but creating moments for other people where they can have moments of clarity. And, and, and in the Scriptures, and I study in the Scriptures, how many times do we actually have those moments for ourselves? where we might have read something before, but here we are reading it in this moment, and all of a sudden it has such a larger impact to us for one reason or the other. You know, if you want to talk about a person in Ephesians 5, remember we were just talking about that movie frame by frame? If we were honest with ourselves, with we as Christians, if we were to look at our movie frame by frame just for the last seven days, what would it look like? You know... There's something very important to understand when we're talking about this frame-by-frame movie. Um, your movie must that you are creating with those moments by moment in your life, that movie must come from the book, the Bible. It must come from this book. You see, and because when we're thinking about the book, what comes before the movie is the book. And in order to, to be in the book, that book of life, we have to have this taken care of first. And that's what's most important because when you think about it, if we look at Revelations 20, go to Revelations 20 and we look at Revelations 20 verses 11 through 15. It says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the book according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You see, our name has to be in that book and it comes from each moment that we have in our life splicing those moments together in order to create a sacrifice to the Lord you know even if you think today um, I think about it a lot really because how busy are we actually today you know it seems like the older we get like the faster time starts moving and we actually have to prioritize things in order to get things done matter of fact um, my wife will laugh but um, you'll find like slips of paper in my pocket with stuff written on them. That's me every day. And then I take those little slips of paper and I put them in a planner. And that planner goes to like each day and then like each hour of the day. And then I try to put segments down, you know. Uh, and that's that's the only way I can function. Um, learned that a long time ago. That in order to get things done, I have to I have to have that system in place, you know. And if you think about it, uh, if we turn over to Galatians, Galatians 2.20. This is a, a familiar uh, passage uh, probably for most people. 
we go back this way. Galatians 2, verse 20. That's something that I think that we always need to, to keep in mind. And we need to live every single day and every moment. And it is the fact that I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. We always need to remember that in every moment. Have a ready presence of mind. And, and don't ever let that go. But it says that we live by faith in Christ Jesus. But I have the question, and we always have the question, can we be saved by faith alone? If you turn over to James, the second chapter. And we'll read uh, verses, let's see here, just through 14 through 26. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister was without clothing and in need of daily food, and none of you says to him, go in peace, and one of you says to him, go in peace, uh, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give him what is need, necessary for the body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have my works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? What was not Abraham, our father, justified works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And that scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by his works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when we received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Verse 21, it talks about the moment that Abraham offered up Isaac. The moment that Rahab helped the messengers. Faith without works. Those works are moments that we actually give up to God. Works that if we don't have those works along with our faith, we cannot be in the book of life. And that's something that we need to constantly think about. How, how do we do works and faith towards God? We do have to seize those moments. I, I know we all have very busy lives, but if we just take one moment at a time, See, it's going to come among the other things that we have planned in that little planner of mine. Sometimes things are just going to have to get knocked away for a little while. A few minutes is going to have to be taken. Sometimes maybe it's a couple of, a couple of days it has to be taken where my focus and concentration is on something that is of the spiritual instead of something that is in front of me in this little planner in this little dot-to-dot, day-to-day thing that I need to do. We have to create those moments somehow. And it's not just somehow we have to create those moments by imitating Christ. And there are some examples in Scripture that I would like to go to. In Matthew 19, how busy do we think Christ was in his life? You think about that sometimes? How busy was he? But our example always had time to create moments for others. In Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. 
And someone came to him, said, to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to them, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into, into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things have I kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When the disciple heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You know, this rich young ruler thought that he was doing right. He just wanted to know how to get eternal life. But I think the first thing that he failed to understand is who he was standing in front of. That was a moment with Jesus the Christ. And when he got the answer that he thought he wanted, he went away grieving because he wasn't willing to do what was needed in that moment in order to be able to follow. He wasn't willing to do what was necessary. If we look again at another example in John 4. John 4 and we'll begin... John 4. Okay, yep, this is it. John 4. Start in the beginning. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So when he came to the city of Samaria called Sachar, near the parcel of ground that was Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Then there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was, who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and we have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank it of himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never thirst, but the water that I will give them will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said correctly, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one with you have now is not your husband. This, this you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Then the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When this one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, the disciples came and they were amazed that they had been speaking with the woman. No one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Now, this particular woman, she was told exactly who she was in front of. Exactly. I'm like, I'm so awestruck that something could be so plain and maybe someone could also not hear exactly what had just been said or have it dawn on them. But this woman who was standing in front of Jesus and asking for the living water went away and told other people. But what would we have done if we were in front of there? It shouldn't have been if we were in the presence of Christ. But we see that she went into the city and this uh, verse 29 come and see the man told me all things that I have done this is not the Christ is it they went out of the city and were coming to him meanwhile the disciples were urging him saying Rabbi eat but he said to them I have food to eat that you know not about so the disciples were saying to one another no one brought him anything to eat did he Jesus said to them my food is not to do the will of him who sent my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work do you not say that there are, uh, there are four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look in the fields. There is white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that he sows and who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reap. I sent you out to which you have gone labored. Others have labored. You have not entered into their labor. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that that we believe, for we have heard ourselves and know that this is the one indeed is the Savior of the world. So she went and told other people, and because of that, people were saved. Jesus created a moment here that was far beyond just the one person that he was speaking to. And we never know what our moments that that we create in Jesus' name, where they're going to go or where they're going to land or who is going to respond because of them. All we know is we are supposed to create those moments. We are supposed to be a part of what Jesus is showing us. We are supposed to be imitators. If we go again to Luke 7. Begin reading in verse uh, 36. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with them. And he entered into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she had learned that she was reclining, that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet, anointing them with the perfume. 
Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And they were unable to pay. He graciously forgave them both. So which of them would he love more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who, who forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Turning toward the woman, he said, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to her, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclined at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, here we see two things. First, we see a woman who was looking for Jesus. We see a woman, whenever she found out where he was going to be, took the moment upon herself and placed herself in the right position. In the right position. But yet you have someone who was there, who invited Jesus to his house, calling him teacher. But whenever he revealed this moment with this woman, they started speaking about him as if he wasn't who he really was. You see, these people didn't understand the moment that they were in. The moment that they had in front of them and what that moment could have been. Because they weren't recognizing Jesus as being who He truly is. You know, Jesus is our example and He shows us uh, even beginning from the age of 12 in the Scriptures that He says He must be about His Father's business. And in His life, uh, the moment he, he, He has created... It says in the scriptures that the, if you put them in books, the world could contain those books because of everything that he had done, everything that was written about what he, he had done. You know, we follow Christ and we're imitators of Christ. No one says that we have to be perfect. Matter of fact, we're told um, that our life is going to be difficult. You know, that things are going to happen and we just know that we're not going to be perfect. But if we do take our time and we look to imitate Christ and create moments like this for others to recognize moments that happen like this to ourselves and respond correctly. Um, if we take that one moment at a time, uh, following God and being sub- subject to one another, uh, creating moments by, by doing works and deeds for God, it, actually being that, those children of light, we are writing our own story. And write our own story that is coming from this book. So we can get into that book of life. Uh, in Ephesians 5 verse 7 it says, that Not to be partakers with them, to walk as children of light in goodness and truth, pleasing the Lord, finding out what that is. We work uh, with our, our faith. We expose wrong. We don't keep silent when evil is there. And that we live our life with those good works. But faith without works is dead so we must have those moments we must have those moments that arise from the death dead because it says in 
verse 14, and Christ will shine in us. You know, you think about that moment that we talked about before, that moment of awe when, when it, it comes down and people fall down to their knees and they're crying and they're losing their composure. You know, when we have that before God now and we practice that on a regular basis, we're going to be ready for that final moment. And if we have done the things imitating Christ as, as we have in that final moment when we're before God, the one true judge, and we are standing there and we, we're in awe and we, we fall to our knees because we're all going to fall, we are going to be judged. And the one thing that we will need in that moment is for Christ to shine on us. He's our advocate. You know, God wants to recognize His Son in us. Jesus wants for us to have that moment. His whole life, from the beginning of of time itself, that moment is what we are headed towards. And I can tell you, in that moment, we're going to want Christ to be there and to be shining on us. And the only way that's going to happen is we live our life one moment at a time, praising God, and finding out what is pleasing to Him by doing the works that are before us. If you're here today and you haven't been putting those moments together in the right way, if you haven't lived your life the way that you need to, if you haven't responded to the gospel and asked for forgiveness of your sins if you're a Christian, that moment in the end is going to be very sad for you. If you're not a Christian and you haven't become a Christian, if you haven't given your life to God, then you're not living your life creating those moments in order to end up into that final moment in the right place. But just as we talked about a little while ago, you see, we're not trying to have just that one moment in our lifetime like on these fantasy programs, right? What we're doing is living our life in such a way that we create those moments for others. We live in those moments ourselves. So in that final moment, we can say or hear, good and faithful servant. If you're subject to the gospel in any way, we'd ask that you come forward as we stand and as we sing.